What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to the BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today we're talking East End Film Festival 2015. In fact, we're going to preview it with um, Andrew Simpson. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm all right. Do you want to tell the listeners what your role is at, at East End Film Festival? Uh, I'm the co-owner of the festival, and I'm the head of programming, which basically means that I select all of the films that screen at the festival. So I'm the one to blame if you don't like anything that you come to see. You're the gatekeeper. I am the gatekeeper, indeed. <laughs> how, how long's the festival <laughs> it's all running my for? Fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Yeah. Um, well, the festival's actually been running for 14 years now in various different guises. It was originally started by Tower Hamlets Council um, in 2000 um, in order to offer sort of a local platform to East London-based filmmakers. Yeah. And then about seven or eight years ago, when the current festival director, Alison Paltock, came on board. We became a, a fully sort of international festival and kind of expanded the programme from just screening local work, which remains a big part of what we do. Um, we're very rooted in the area that we're, that we're based in. But actually expanding the festival to kind of encompass kind of really exciting sort of cutting-edge filmmaking from around the world. So it's kind of in sort of in the last seven years or so that the festival's really kind of grown into the, the size that it is today. I mean, it's, just before we go into more detail about about your festival, but just talk generally about mm. festivals, and obviously you've just described the growth of your own. Is I've, I've listened to lots of seminars where they talk about how you know film festivals now are maybe a key a key form of distribution for independent filmmakers in many senses. You know, they're, they're, it's a, it's a you know the idea of a destination to go and see a film as opposed to you know a marketplace to sell a film is a very real option now isn't it yeah absolutely i mean i think it does to some extent reflect um how commercialized the sort of the market for releasing films has become and how difficult it is to actually sort of get independent work seen yeah obviously the, the thing that's great about festivals is that it's a very collaborative kind of endeavor you know we couldn't put a festival on without some of the incredible films that are given to us every year and you know we're in a position where we can actually help filmmakers get their work seen and i think it's kind of it's that sort of collaboration which allows you to maybe buck the trend a little bit in terms of, you know, how work gets seen or doesn't get seen, you know, because we're, uh, yeah, we're, well, we're, I don't, I think, we're, I think we're creating a different kind of platform and, a, yeah, as you say, kind of a different kind of distribution model, really, for filmmakers, which is really important. It's a very privileged position to be in, really, so, yeah. So, um, cast your mind back then, maybe, 12 months ago, mm-hmm. and you've just put to bed... 
Eastern Film Festival 2014. Mm-hmm. When, I mean, I'm guessing, I bet the process doesn't even start then. I bet the process has already started before the first, the 14 has even started for 2015. But what, what's the kind of, the way you, the way you set about making Eastern Film Festival? Because what I want to sort of, what I'm fascinated to learn, I suppose, is the, the nature of creating a festival. And it's interesting that yours was born out of a local initiative that yeah. then expanded to, to, to bring in films from around the world, but still with an identity. So clearly you've got a brand at the start, haven't you, which says we are going to be supportive of local initiatives as much as we are looking for interesting yeah. films around the world. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I think, yeah, in terms of that process, I suppose you've, you've hinted at it there, the starting point is always kind of having an idea of, of who you are and what it is that you that you do and that you exist for as a festival. You know, we seek to sort of champion, um, you know, filmmakers from, um, well, from, from all over the globe, but also from the East End, but specifically those who are making kind of really powerful sort of mould-breaking first and second time films. So, you know, okay. first and second time feature directors basically is... is the area that we specialise in, as well as kind of pioneering cross-platform work, and that's kind of our starting point. Right. So we've all sort of got a very idea of when we actually watch a film, or when we consider forming a partnership, or when we consider kind of commissioning a soundtrack, which we do every year, there's always kind of the starting point of, of we know exactly what we are about as a festival, and what our identity is, and what we're trying to do, and, and what feels exciting, and what feels like us, really. Um, and I think that sort of helps to sort of guide sort of the process of, of development. Um, but I mean, in terms of in terms of kind of planning year on year, yeah, absolutely, it kind of starts way before. I mean, you know, we're talking about various plans for next year's festival already. We're talking about various plans for 2017 already. I mean, there are, there are some things you start a, you start a dialogue about a project, or you're talking to a filmmaker about when they're going to get something finished that you really want to screen and work together on. You know, that's often a you know, a, a three-year process as opposed to this is what we're going to be doing in six months' time. But there's a whole range of, um, yeah, there's a whole range of different timelines. Some stuff comes into us and we get an opportunity and, you know, we have to put something in the program two days before we go to print. Sometimes it's something that we've been working on for, you know, two, three years. You know, yeah, there's, a, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, there's sort of a whole range. There's kind of multiple, yeah, conversations and, well, I guess, you know, until they actually come to fruition, they're kind of pipe dreams, really. You know, there's the various things that are kind of might happen next year or the year after. We're hoping they do, but, you know, we probably won't know for another six months. So, yeah, it's a very kind of fluid organisational thing, really. You have to just uh, grab hold of anything that seems exciting, see how far you get with it, and, you know, maybe it'll come off and you'll do something amazing at the festival with it, and maybe nothing happens or it happens in two years. Yeah, it's a very sort of... um, uh, it's a very strange, amorphous beast, really, is the best way that I can answer that question. Yeah, the, na- the nature of film development, it can be fairly glacial at the best of times, can't it? Yeah, absolutely, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got a film in the programme this year called um, uh, Derailed Sense, yeah. uh, which is a film that's all about Vic Goddard and Subway Set, kind of one of the key sort of post-punk British bands from the late 70s and early 80s. And yeah. that film's been sort of in, in the pipeline for, I don't know, three years, something like that. Yeah. Um, and Graham Bendel, who made a Billy Childish documentary that won a lot of awards a few years ago, we've been essentially waiting for him to have that film ready for for some time, um, and we're finally doing it now. But you know, it's been a very very long process. Yeah, and that's just the that's just the way it goes. 
See that? I mean, I think that would be a fascinating insight for people who sort of look at festival programs and wonder, you know, how they're made up or, or mm. why a certain film is chosen. But then to think that a film you've actually said, look, we'd like to have to show that film, and then you end up waiting to put it in your program. I think that's yeah. a that's a yeah, that's absolutely. Under the telescope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's all um, you know. A lot of it, a lot of it is relation, uh, sort of relationship based. You know, we you know we know filmmakers and producers and you know various people basically we, you have to keep a tab on who's making work and you know you start a dialogue with them very early basically and you just mm. sort of see you know hopefully you get to the point where they've got the film finished and timing might work and you know you still have to convince them that you're the right platform for their film and yeah so it's a very can be a very very long complicated process but then again you know we, we're also in a position where we just receive finished films that get sent to us through an open submission process. The majority of our British features come through submissions. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have that process, and then films come to us, and they're finished, and they're ready to go. And, you know, and so we view, you know, we view an awful lot of feature films that way as well. And then there's, you know, stuff that you hear about, that relationship question. There's also stuff that you, you know, you pick up from the, from the international festival circuit as well. I mean, do, do you do you attend lots of festivals in your, yourself to see movies? Yeah, as a way yeah, of... quite. I mean, quite a lot. Um, I mean, most of sort of the, the big UK ones, and I also go to Rotterdam uh, and Berlin in the early part of the year, uh, and Venice in the later part of the year. And I've kind of done. A, I've done a few others. So I've been to Busan in South Korea, and I've been to the Tokyo Film Festival as well, hmm. um, which is really exciting. Um, I've never done Cannes. Unfortunately, because timing-wise, it never works for us. We're locking our program while Cam is on, so I've never experienced that particular fun fight. But I'm sure I will at some point. Um, so yeah, we sort of between myself and Alison, who's the festival director, we um, go to quite a few sort of festivals overseas in order to find new films um, for the festival because there's just an awful lot which doesn't really make its way over here. You know, filmmakers won't necessarily submit their films to the um, festivals in the UK but they will yeah. play in you know festivals overseas and you know so that's those are very good places to pick up stuff that you know nobody's going to have heard of but will hopefully blow everyone's socks off kind of thing yeah so you're, 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 the, the view there is you're trying to find the stuff from the filmmakers that won't obviously think that you're a place to apply for but obviously when you invite them and explain the nature of the festival yeah, yeah, not just us really, just kind of, you know, that won't be submitted to, to any festival in the UK. No, no, of course, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, so it is just sort of, you know, um, yeah, finding finding a different route to kind of build that relationship with filmmakers that means that you can bring more and more sort of diverse and interesting um, stuff over to the UK. What's um, the, uh, what's the, the kind, how many eyes are seeing these films when you're just, when you're just amongst you that, that, that work at the festival or, 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 or help out at the festival? How, how many pairs of eyes are having to see films for them to get chosen? Uh, well, generally there's sort of, there's, I guess, sort of a, a, an informal kind of programming committee here of, of say three to four people. Mm. So everything will be watched at least twice before it's kind of accepted or, or not into the festival. Wow. Um, yeah, but it's a but it's a very very um, heavy kind of viewing process. I mean, myself, I probably watch something in the region of three hundred features a year <laughs> for consideration for the festival. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, which is which is a fairly um, heavy um, yeah a fairly heavy 
task kind of time commitment wise especially when actually running a festival as well sort of requires you know an eight hour office day for the most yeah, part yeah, yeah. so hour, hours wise it's very very intensive um but you know it's a it's a fantastic job and it results in what we think is a brilliant festival every year so how, how do you think how do you maintain a kind of freshness of eyes you know when you're watching a film um, because I mean, I, I, I just speak from my own experience as someone that that watches sometimes has to watch films because he's going to review them. I mean, sure. I, you know, Frightfest, for example. I think I watched thirty-eight movies last year out of the fifty-five. Wow, that's you, impressive. You know, I didn't do it all live. I did it in the two-week run-up, but nevertheless, I felt like I was going film blind at the end of it. No matter how good <laughs> the film, no matter how good the film was, you know, it was like I just needed a break. It's just because you can't, you know, in a way, you know, somebody's made this piece of work. And it, it not necessarily always was meant to be watched as one mm. of three films on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah, sure. Understood. Well, I guess there's a, there's a variety of um, answers to that in a way. Um, the first thing I'd say is that I feel like I'm quite lucky in that um, I'm programming for a festival that kind of prides itself on screening work that's quite, I guess, quite quite edgy, quite challenging, and quite out there, quite risk-taking, quite political. Yeah. So often in terms of the stuff that I'm watching, I'm watching stuff which is kind of very, yeah, very diverse, very exciting, very different, very unique all the time. Hmm. Um, and we don't kind of stick to a particular genre of filmmaking, which perhaps helps. But I think it is also the case that, you know, um, programming a festival is, is a job, and you, the, the, the more the more stuff that you watch, the, the more your eye gets trained to kind of spot the things that you are looking for. And it will just be a lengthy process. I mean, I'll do a lot of watching of, of films and say, I think when I'm, you know, less burnt out by just having watched seven films back to back, I think mm. I might really like this and I might want to put it in and I'll put it aside and then I'll go back to it a couple of days later and watch it again. Mm. So it's kind of having an awareness of your own parameters and, and uh, weaknesses, I guess, when it comes to, you know, points at which, you know, you, you don't think you can necessarily appreciate the work anymore, which definitely happens. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the, that's the nature of having to watch so much, I think. Now, you, you mentioned that, uh, it does, you, the, I think the great thing about Eastern for Fizzle is, is the fact that it doesn't fix itself to one genre, and you could, mm. you could be watching sort of some, a, a documentary on one level, some, something that's a hard, hard genre, something mm. from a very art house end of things. But you would. St I think the consistency is like you say. I mean, you use. I'll, I'll use your word. Is there is always that kind of edgy side, edgy feel to it, even if yeah. it's not from the same sort of genre of film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah very much pride ourselves on, you know, maverick filmmakers or you know, and, and, and films that follow kind of maverick characters. We like stuff which is urban, punky, often very political films, mm. often quite young. You know, there's not a lot of, um, I guess, one one sort of very obvious kind of example that I sort of always use is that you don't, you don't see a lot of kind of middle-brow sort of costume dramas that are festival. <laughs> it's, not, it, it's not the sort of thing that we do. Love a costume drama, but, it, but it's, not, it's not what the festival does. We're kind of about sort of exciting kind of breakthrough voices in film. And, yeah, I mean, that can kind of spread out to any genre, as you say, fiction, documentary, you know, horror, science fiction, social realist drama, you know, live music, doc, a very political documentary about the Ukraine. It can be, 
yeah, it can be anything and everything, but they're all sort of united by that particular sort of spirit, I suppose. Yeah, so we do very much like to think that there is such a thing as a as an East End Film Festival film, and that you look through the programme and you sort of know why everything's there. That's very important, and that's important to the identity of why people come to the festival and hopefully why they trust us to show them good stuff. Um, yeah, that's very much the that's very much the idea. Now the world's obviously a big place, and there's lots to choose from, Massive, whereas, the, whereas the East yeah. End isn't. So how do you keep that? How do you keep that sort of view fresh? You know, sort of in terms of the filmmakers that you're building relationships with more locally. How do we keep the, the the East London aspect of the festival fresh? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think one thing that we're we're very helped by is that you know we've been established in the area for a long time, and we know a lot of the the companies and the filmmakers who are kind of making work, you know, and because we run um, industry training at the festival every year, which is, you know, developing very quickly, a lot of the filmmakers who are making new work kind of essentially sort of come through our doors every year and, and okay. that, that kind of relationship and collaborative process kind of starts quite early. Um, we've got a film called This Is Not Happening um, in the festival this year, which is a, a first-time feature shot in Hastings. Right. Um, which is a particular pleasure for me because it's where I'm from originally. Um, it's directed by um, a director called Ewan Thomas who actually came through Mind the Gap, which is our industry training program last year. So we're in a position where, you know, we're helping to develop a filmmaker's career and now he's made a first feature having come through our industry lab and now we're showing his first feature at the festival, which is kind of a really exciting thing. So I think it's kind of lots of connections like that, but it's also kind of just remaining very... Um, remaining very involved, going to going to a lot of screenings and events, and you know, meeting filmmakers, and we're in touch with a lot of local uh, community groups and local charities. A lot of which kind of get involved in kind of film work around, you know, uh, the history of East London and what's kind of affecting um, you know East London communities. And we try to stay very in touch with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's all kind of reflected in the program. You know, something like. Um, Sing Your Heart Out, which is okay. Um, something um, like Sing Your Heart Out, which is directed by Peter Racker, is about a, um, a community choir for people people suffering from depression in Hackney, and that sort of comes out of the fact that we're screening that film comes out of those local links and the fact that we have the you know um, we have those sort of very sort of deep rooted connections with what's going on in the community really. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, that's a very important part of, of what we do. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I mean, I was, um, I was, I mean, just with the recent news story about that awful attack on the transvestite in East London, and you've got a film dressed as a girl. I just thought yeah. that you look at something like that, which is a portrait of a East London's alternative drag scene. But it just it sort of has added poignancy with uh, that awful story. Yeah, no, God, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's kind of unfortunate that that's the case, but mm. yeah, it's a film that we're really proud to be proud to be doing. I mean, East London has a well, and again, that's something that actually informs the programme. East London has a an incredibly diverse, um, you know, often quite sort of countercultural personality and kind of the history of the. And it goes back decades. It goes back decades, doesn't it? That. Yeah, no, it does. It really does. I mean, I mean older, film, fr older friends of mine who are involved in the music scene tell me about. All kinds of pubs, like in Homerton and various places back in the seventies, 
you know, you'd get your drag outs, which is, I mean, it just, just it isn't there anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it was, you know, at one point it all went through um, Bistro Tech in, in Cambridge Heath was sort of the big hub for, for that scene. And that's not the case anymore. And kind of the venues for that are, are slowly being closed down, not just in East London, but mm. all over in Camden and in Vauxhall. And, yeah, so which is a, a terrible shame because it's a, a, a really kind of vibrant part of, um, of London's kind of recent history. Um, and the film is very much kind of a celebration of those those characters and those and those acts which made that scene in East London so vibrant for for 20 years, and it's still very vibrant now. But we're we're going to be screening that film on a rooftop uh, in Dalston, um, and we've got we've got Johnny Wu, who's kind of probably the kind of the standard bearer for for that scene. He's kind of the most well known kind of proponent of. Um, you know, of, of, of that type of performance, he's going to come and perform, and you know, so that's going to be that's going to be a really really fun evening. I mean, that's you've, you've touched on an interesting point. Another interesting point about your festival is I counted eleven venues you're using around oh, yeah. East, around East London. So yeah. you're not making it easy for yourself, are you? Really? Absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> we, well, we never we never do. We never do. I mean, yeah. We're I mean we're very lucky. Again, in the, um, you know, East London is um, a fantastic place for sort of non-multiplex cinema viewing hmm. um you know so we've got we've got seven cinemas that we use which are the genesis in Whitechapel, hackney and stratford picture houses um the rio in dalston the barbican the rich mix in bethnal green and the electric in shoreditch hmm. um so yeah it, and it's fantastic that we've got seven cinemas to play with in terms of the audiences that we can reach and the amount of the amount of content that we can actually put on is an amazing thing but yeah but we also like to embrace you know events that are of a slightly different stripe hence we've got sort of a, a rooftop in Dalston and we've got the Red Gallery in Old Street where we're going to be doing our live music stuff we've got the Whitechapel Gallery for kind of our you know a, you know slightly more sort of um, um, sort of artist film kind of programming so yeah it's kind of a, a big a big range of, of places we like to stretch ourselves a little you know if we can um, and it just allows us to reach more people and do a more diverse range of programming which is kind of more exciting and, and you know what we're what we're about we think as a festival so no sure and, and, it, and it adds that element of event you know to to, mm. to the to the festival that rather than just saying i'm going to watch a movie you know you're going you're going something a bit more special aren't you yeah indeed that's the idea is to give people a bit more of an experience than just sort of walking to watch a film we've got fantastic films as well but you know even if you just go and see a, a regular kind of cinema screening at the festival, you know, you'll most likely get a Q&A afterwards or you'll basically be seeing a film that you're probably not going to get to see anywhere else. You know, we have drinks things on at the, at the Genesis Cinema every night, which are free if you've, got a, um, if you've got a cinema ticket. So, you know, you've got a cinema ticket, you get, you know, there's a, you know, free, a free drinks kind of reception for two hours every night that kind of the public are welcome to to come to and you know meet filmmakers and yeah so it's kind of creating a very different spirit and obviously kind of added to that is all the stuff that's kind of live and you know the exhibitions and that sort of adds kind of extra elements around things that you wouldn't obviously normally get just going to watch a going to watch a film in a regular multiplex that's the plan if you don't already subscribe to Britflix just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Now, it would be remiss of me not to mention this because obviously my Mr. Britflix, his his son, <laughs> is directing a film that's on at East End Film Festival. Correct. Coinc coincidentally. Um, coincidentally, yeah. 
no money changed hands. Not in my house, anyway. Not in my house. And that's, that's a documentary called Life's a Beach, for which, Correct. for my sins, I'll be doing the Q&A that follows that one at the Genesis Cinema on the 5th of July. But I was also looking through your programme for other things that, I, that sort of maybe I could recognise from stuff I've done with Britflix, and I noticed Containment is, is showing. Yes, uh, in a way, that's a particular favourite of yours. Well, I just I, I, had, I had them on the show a while ago, so it's nice to see the films sort of getting... Getting, I think it was still in development. I think they were still finishing it off when I spoke to them. So it was yeah, nice sure. I think, well, I think it's only just been finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, kind of. It's yeah. nice. So you haven't had a chance to see it yet. No, 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 no. But ah, I just... well, you must come to the festival in that case. I mean, it's yeah, really a really fantastic. I mean, a British film which has been, you know, um, made on a very very small budget, but has a fantastic sense of of atmosphere and yeah. It, it, I mean, it shows the British filmmakers can actually, you know, create kind of a. Uh, a, a high-stake sort of conspiratorial thriller in which a, a, a group of local residents are, are locked into a, a, a block of flats by a shady government agency cleaning up after some kind of outbreak or, you know, poison gas release or, yeah, it, it's sort of completely unknown and it's just an incredibly powerfully made, really intense piece of work. Um, so, yeah, we're, yeah, very, very impressed by it and uh, it was sort of a, an instant decision to to put it in and it's uh yeah doing very very well it's nearly that, that screen is nearly sold out already i can happily say so that's great news. um yeah there's definitely one to look out for now that's 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 my little segue into uh maybe getting you to give me as we're britflix and you have a lot of british content which is something to celebrate in of itself um what would what what would be your sort of kind of three picks for you of british movies that you're showing We've already, I mean, I've already highlighted, yeah. obviously, the, the Lives of Beach dot, which, uh, which I probably should say is, is, um, is, is a, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to read off the, uh, I've not seen it myself yet, so we've got Lives <laughs> of Beach is a moving and beautifully shot documentary about one man's fight to live outside the system. Uh, and I'll be watching that before I do the Q&A, so, uh, <laughs> and I think the star, the star of it, um, Jerry Mungo Francis is going to be there, he's a bit of a local legend down on Yeah, yeah, he is down in Folkestone. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, and, and, and I've, I've talked to John for a while, John, John Baker, uh, the, the, the producer, and, uh, and and I've even worked with John Baker, the director. Uh, he, he, he shot the camera on a film that I made. Um, wow, fantastic! So it, it'd be exciting to see an audience response to their work, and I'm sure it will be for them. Yeah, it's a re- I mean, it's a really, really great film. I mean, the idea of someone who could essentially try and create a, a completely sort of private space for, for himself utterly away from any kind of societal or governmental interference, a completely self-sustaining home made out of driftwood on the, you know, on the coast by Folkestone, and then kind of the powers, it, the powers of be sort of encroaching on his, on his freedom. I think it's kind of a, a story that a lot of people can empathise and connect with. Um, yeah, and it's just a really beautifully made and it's just a, you know, a, a real sort of one-off character. So I think it's going to be a great, um, yeah, it's a great film and it's going to be a great screening and. I get the, really I get the sense from what I'd seen, the clips I'd seen of it before, that mm. as, as much anything else, it's that it's, it's it's kind of the much maligned British eccentric that we seem to have. It seems to be very out of fashion these days, but actually, it was. Kind of, I, mean, I grew up in the eighties. It kind of was the norm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, seems, it seems to be something which is, uh, yeah, perhaps well, not disappearing from British life, but is certainly getting a lot less mm. attention and celebration. 
Uh, that's that's what I was thinking, yeah, the celebration yeah. side of it. Yeah. So, yeah, completely. Yeah, and that's something that's very much kind of reflected in, you know, the films that we show. Obviously, we've already talked about Just as a Girl, mm. but, you know, one of one of the other sort of British films that I really recommend is a film called A State of Reverie, which, again, is East London-based. It's all about the decline of the Haggerston estate in Hackney. Okay. Um, and it's about the very, very particular sort of, um, sort of, yeah, the, the, the group of characters who who live in who live in those blocks before they're you know got rid of effectively, and it's a you know an incredible kind of spirit of individualism and, and often eccentricity kind of with those people and, a, and an amazing spirit of togetherness where they all sort of you know prize each other for you know for the particular spirit that they have and yeah it's a really kind of moving beautiful film um, and again kind of does that thing that we were that we were talking about it's very much about kind of you know celebrating that sort of diversity and people who are very much kind of out there on their own, you know. Um, yeah, it's a great thing that we don't really see enough of, and it's really nice to see films which are kind of celebrating that. So that's a really good thing. Um, now, with, we've talked a lot here about feature films, but obviously a key, another key part of uh, East End Film Festival is the, uh, the short film programmes. Yeah. And you've, you've, you've bundled them together under different headings. Um, I mean... Again, coincidentally, I've already I previewed Alice D. Cooper. She talked about her film, a, dot, a small dot on the uh, Western Front. Ah, okay. Uh, that Great was a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, and but I mean, is is when you're submitting to when people are submitting their short films, are they submitting under these headings, or are they being created from the content they're, they're, you, you they're, collate? They're being they're being created by the festival. So essentially. Um, our shorts programmer Manish Agwal, uh, he um, uh, basically with with a with sort of a, a shorts committee who are all kind of listed in the festival program. Mm. They watch the several hundred shorts that we get submitted to us um, each year, and essentially what they do is they they group those programs together thematically, depending on what themes kind of come out of um, what themes come out of the you know of the films that they really love each year, basically. And this year there's there's sort of a there's sort of a music sort of theme to it because the title of every of every shorts program is is the title of a song, essentially. Okay, um, that's neat. Yeah, um, so that's kind of the way that he decided to do it. But you know, each title sort of reflects the the particular sort of spirit of you know a selection of films, and hopefully that's a kind of a more interesting way in for uh, for viewers to go and see kind of a selection of shorts because it's more exciting to go in with kind of a thematic idea rather, rather than I'm just going to watch a group of films that are British or I'm going to watch a group of films which are which all share an experimental kind of edge. You know, it's the idea of kind of, yeah, diversifying it a little bit and making it a bit more exciting um, and just engaging people in a slightly different way. Um, and the shorts programmes this year are just, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, we've really seen... And I've really seen kind of the yeah the passion for short films sort of develop an awful lot in the last three four years, which I think is sort of a product of the way people are actually watching films now, um, yeah. which is obviously something that people criticise in terms of appetite for you know going to the cinema or, or whatever else. But I think when it when it comes to short films, especially, I think the I think the attention that's being paid to them now is is actually far greater than it was five years ago, which is a really exciting thing. No, 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 sure, sure. It's, uh, and I think you're right. I think I think the idea of saying there's seven short films on is about as about as appealing. 
as as nothing. But if you say here's some films under this sort of banner, then then it makes you feel like there's something to sort of judge as well. It's like you know you go, oh right, okay, I like the, what they did, I like the way they did. You yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. And it gives you it gives people a gives people a reason to go to get engaged. It's kind of a through line through all the through all the films. So you know you look at a, a program title like Dig Me Out or London Is the Place for Me or Rebel Girl. You know mm. it kind of gives you a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a sense of why you should be excited going in in the first place and hopefully a reason to a reason to go uh, which you should do because they're all yeah they're all brilliant films and all the people that are making these will you know hopefully go on and make fantastic features very soon as well which some of them are already but uh, yeah yeah so no it's a very exciting lineup in that way oh, brilliant brilliant now two two um two strands of the event stood out for me when I was, uh, when I was flicking sort of through the program mm -hmm. um the Masonic Temple stuff kind of blew my mind, really, oh, yeah. to start off with, <laughs> if, if, if I can be that bold. I'm definitely going to check out what's going on there. Um, I mean, how did you get hooked up with them? <laughs> well, we are very lucky in yeah. the, um, the Andaz Hotel, Liverpool Street, which is where the Masonic Temple is located, is our, is our partner hotel, basically. So okay. They put up um, some of our filmmakers every year and we host our jury dinner there um, and are generally kind of um, wonderful kind of partners and supporters of the festival um, and essentially that hotel I mean it's a five star boutique hotel now yeah. but that hotel is, is you know it's a Victorian era building originally mm -hmm. um, and essentially I think 15-20 years ago when the hotel was still called the Great Eastern yeah um, they were doing renovations in that hotel and they moved what turned out to be a false wall and found um, a Greek style marble Masonic temple just Get sitting in the bowels of the hotel. Get out of here. Um, I know, it's crazy, absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's absolutely, I mean, it's, just, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's great. The room has been restored and it's grade two listed now. Um, and it's just the most stunning atmospheric room that you could ever possibly imagine being in so it's just an amazing place for, for doing film screening so essentially when when we became partners with the Andes Hotel hmm. um, we were sort of aware of the space and so very early on in our relationship we talked about sort of we should screen films in here um, and it's something that they've been enormously supportive of and, and on board and, and they've kind of let us do incredibly interesting programming in that space so we've We've been doing stuff in the Masonic Temple since 2011. Right. In the last couple of years, it's sort of gone over an entire weekend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we just we just do these really interesting kind of themed sort of days, kind of. And you know, we, we've we've done secret societies, we've done, you know, witchcraft and black magic, and and this year it's kind of split across two lines. The first day, which is Saturday, July 4th, is all about murder and the macabre. We've got a classic 70s Italian horror film um, called The Case of the Scorpion's Tail, which is being screened on 16mm, kind of in the middle of the, the temple. So you'll have an old film projector kind of whirring away. Kind of and that's, that's Cigarette Burns doing that, Cigarette it? Burns are doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cigarette Burns. Um, and that's going to be absolutely amazing. <coughs> he, uh, the same, um, Cigarette Burns did another 16mm screening in, in the temple last year. Yeah. And it's just so phenomenally atmospheric already when you add a 16mm projector to it it's unbelievable um, and Electric Sheep will also be presenting kind of a special kind of um, uh, sort of creamy kind of uh, uh, crime film 
kind of screening and talk and Kim Newman's going to be coming down for that. And then the sort of the big the big kind of event on, on Saturday the fourth of July is we'll be doing a um you know, a, a masquerade macabre ball um for three hundred and fifty people um at the Andaz Hotel which will take in uh, which will take in a screening in the temple and live music and cabaret acts and kabuki theatre and lots of kind of like live drawing and lots of kind of crazy stuff going on basically. So we'll be having kind of a, a huge a huge party kind of um, with the temple at the centre of it on the Saturday. Uh, and then on the Sunday, we've got a whole day on um, uh, brainwashing and mind control, um, which is being put together by Noaz Desh, who's our director in residence for this year, um, is particularly interested in the idea of indoctrination. So we're going to be doing screenings and talks and weird kind of interactive stuff with the audience that kind of goes everywhere from kind of like fearsome religious cults to, um, you know, uh, to political terrorism to state-sponsored mind control programs like Monarch and, you know, MK Ultra and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a very kind of exciting, um, boundary-pushing couple of days, and it's the most amazing room that you could possibly hope to watch a film in, and it's unbelievable. And certainly so that's, very that's, low, so everyone should, everyone should come, it's not to be missed. No, certainly that second, that second day really, was really appealing to me. Mm. It's stuff a bit... Yeah, stuff we, we, we haven't quite announced the full lineup yet, but it's going to be something else. I mean, really exciting um so yeah yeah i, I will yeah i'm not going to miss it either i'm <laughs> um refusing to be anywhere else at the festival on sunday the fifth <laughs> but it is it's, it's that amazing thing of um what you just described there would would be enough of you know just me sitting back obviously you're, you're 14 years into this festival me sitting back again that would be enough of an event in of itself but that's just part of your festival yeah is, indeed you know, yeah i mean it's just it's one of it's a one of a hundred screenings and events that we've got on the festival this year so yeah it's a huge sprawling beast and we do a lot of exciting stuff but it's um yeah um you know we've uh, we've we've got the platform and we want to we want to grow it every year and use it and do more exciting things and push the boundaries a little bit more each time and give people something exciting that they can't see anywhere else essentially yeah and and the the, the other one that i wanted to uh highlight that, that appealed to me is the mm. uh, the Blank Mass um, rescore of the soundtrack for the uh, the Belgian movie, uh, Belgian-French movie, um, Strange Colour of Your Body's Tears. Yeah. Which is yeah. at the Red Gallery, isn't it? On the... It is, correct, yeah, which is where we sort of do our, our live music um, events. Yeah, I mean, that's just a really exciting project. It's something that we've been working on for a couple of years now, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, about things yeah. taking a long time. This is certainly one of those. So um, uh, so Benjamin Power, who's one half of the Electronic Duo Fuck Buttons and works under um, works under the moniker of Blank Mass um, for his solo stuff, which mm. is most sort of well-known for some of his music having been part of Danny Boyle's um, Olympic opening ceremony in 2012. Of course. Um He's a he's a he's a friend of ours, and, and we've sort of been talking to him about collaborating on something uh, for some time now. And then, you know, essentially, um, Ben suggested this idea of of him getting a group of other kind of electronic artists from both the UK and abroad to come in and essentially rescore a film, but do it essentially do it each composer doing it blind from one another. So what they've done is... is like a Chinese each, whispers almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. So each musician who worked on a piece was literally given 
sort of the last, the last or first sort of two bars of music oh, of the musician who was working before and after him. And that's, and that's all that anyone had to work on. So kind of this whole rescore has been done by musicians who have essentially been working independently from one another and essentially just reacting to the portion of the film that they've been kind of working to, mm. basically. And it's just come together as this incredibly diverse, really powerful, incredible kind of new score for what's already, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's an incredibly visually ravishing kind of ode to kind of the, you know, the the classic kind of Italian horror movies of the 1970s. Oh, without a doubt. It's, it's, it, is a, it is like a beautiful nightmare. Yeah, in, absolutely. In yeah, it's an, it's an incredible piece of work and really lends itself to, to a project like this. Hmm. So, yeah, we've been working on this piece of music for a really long time and now it's it's finally finished and, and we'll be, you know, launching the world premiere of that new score at the Red Gallery on the 10th of July um, and that will also actually serve as the as the record launch because we're going to be releasing it as a record through uh, through Death Waltz Records, who specialise in the art soundtrack. Um, and so we'll be releasing the record in kind of a run of about three thousand records, I believe, and it'll also be available on digital download. Limited, no, limited to five hundred units. Oh uh, well, the the, the 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 whole release is going to be three thousand records. Ah, okay. But there's a li there's a very limited pressing of five hundred records, which is just especially for the live show. So that will actually be on, I believe, blood splattered vinyl. That's true. Um, yeah. Is, is that going to be available to buy? Only five hundred of those, and you'll only be able to buy those at the festival screening. And there'll be kind of a there'll be sort of a regular kind of more general release record coming out oh, after I that. I see. I see. But this, but this particular very beautiful. We've got custom artwork that's been designed for this. I mean, it's just, it looks extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a real collector's item. And, yeah, the event at the festival is the only place you'll be able to get it, basically. So. Well, OK, well, look, the only stands for me to just to remind people, because I haven't actually said it, I don't think, what the dates <laughs> are for the festival. I know we've told some dates. Now, the East End Film Festival starts on the 1st of July. Correct. With... Um, What's the opening gala? It's um... it's one crazy thing, um, which is a British uh, romantic drama about a uh, uh, a former soap star who's been disgraced by a sex tape scandal. That's He's right. kind of living in self-imposed exile <laughs> until he finds what he hopes will be his his true love. And it stars Ray Panthaki, Um and it's yeah really funny. Got a really great feel for London. It's a European premiere. Um, it's a really fantastic film, and yeah, that's screening at the Genesis on the first of July. Okay, and so so first of July through to the twelfth of July, mm -hmm. and do you want to give people the, the uh, website address? Yeah, um, so all the information and, and links to book tickets is at www.eastendfilmfestival.com. So very simple, I hope. Indeed, and, and any a Twitter that people can follow. Yeah, it's uh, at East End Film Fest. There we go. Simple enough. We'll put all that information in the podcast notes for those people not with a pen ready as they're listening. Um, but only means that I should uh, thank Andrew for his time. Thank you very much, sir, for uh, previewing the East End Film Festival. No problem, Stuart. Pleasure to talk to you. Hope to see you there. Indeed. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, 
and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.